everybody, and welcome back to our newest episode of Relative Pitch. Today, we are so excited to have the director of the Tiger Marching Band and the assistant director of bands at Louisiana State University, Dr. Kelvin Jones. Hello. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Good, good. How are you? How are you doing on this Sunday? Doing great. Uh, had great church service earlier and had an event earlier today. Uh, this is an organization out here called Kids Orchestra, which is like an El Sistema program, um, but targeted for here in the public school sector. So a fundraising event earlier today and uh, rooting on some New Orleans Pelicans later tonight. So hopefully by the time this airs, uh, Pelicans have won. In the meantime, I'm just, you know, making it happen. All right. Let me just say, uh, Dr. Jones, you are booked and busy, as we like to say on this podcast. Anytime I see you on Facebook or something, you're always doing something. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, do you have a time just to have a break? Just just to chill? Uh, I bet if you were my wife, you would probably say I wish I would. But um. But no, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm just blessed. Uh, the power of Photoshop. There you go on Facebook. So. <laughs> but no, I've just been blessed with opportunities, and um, the pandemic kind of just did something to me. Well, being inside a lot, and all of that that it brought in, it was just like it, it kind of reshaped some vision points for me. And so, kind of coming out of that, um, just kind of manifesting things to where you never know when we ever shut down again you know, in a few more months. And I hate to be like, what if, or I wish I should have. So as opportunities come available that I find of interest, then I jump right into it. Or at least I try at least. But yes, I do have some time to get home. But these past few months have been a little busy. Super first world problems. <laughs> I I really want to target that a little bit because as um, Anthony's an educator and we talk about this all the time, but you, your jobs are so big on engaging, especially with your students and your colleagues. And so during the pandemic, when that was not a thing that you could really do, like what, like, I mean, what did you do? How, how did you deal with that? How did you make sure your students felt like there was still a sense of community among them? And how to, like, how did you deal with that yourself? Uh, good question. Uh, personally, it was kind of that it was weird because it was a screeching halt. Like the world is not, not over, but stopped. And classes are like Zoom, like we are right now and all of those factors. So, but for me, it was almost healthy because how I've done the position and how I've done band directing, if you will, it's been nonstop where when I was teaching high school, you're there at six, seven in the morning and Thankfully, I was single then. Well, I was in a relationship. I wasn't married. Make sure I say it too loud. Um, but, you know, I got home around six, seven at night. So I didn't have like a family to tend to. So it was just if you want to be good, you got to work hard. And in different angles of that, you need to work twice as hard to kind of get equal footing. But that's a whole nother conversation. So um, just I was wired to just work crazy hard, crazy hard. And so when that happened, it was like, OK, pause. I don't have to necessarily set up all these meetings to meet with people in person. We can just do it via Zoom. And, you know, it just kind of reframed work, so to speak. And then it kind of opened up different things for me, uh, for my, my different priorities of where am I dedicating my time? Um, and then it just kind of really opened my eyes with, yes, I'm director of Tiger Band. I love the job. It's amazing. I work with great people. But if I were to die or something were to happen, 
Like, I can't pass that on to my child. I can't put in my will, hey, Sam, you're going to be director of Tiger Band. Like, before my head gets cold in that ground, that job is going to be advertised. So it was just, what am I doing um, in the event something were to happen or to set up a legacy for my child? So the pandemic just opened my eyes to a lot of things. Just what are my value systems? What am I trying to do? If things were to happen or switch out or whatever. Um, so that was for me personally, kind of just opened my eyes up to different things. And then other opportunities I started diving into. For my students, I don't know if we did a necessarily a great job. We tried, we did like book clubs and stuff for like our section leaders throughout the summer, just so we kind of meet on a regular basis. Um, and we tried our best to make it work under the confines that we had with the social distancing. And then at least for us, it was, here's this new procedure. Oh, it changed two days later. Oh, yep. it changed again. And I'm one of those, I'm a planner. So it's like, all right, we got plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And then oh, none of them can work, you know? So it's just yeah. frustrating, but not castigating that frustration on the students because now they make it seem like, oh, we're not organized, but it's like we are trying to be, it's just things keep changing. So I don't know what their perspective of that may be, but I know for me, it's kind of a good and bad, but it, I don't think it's much different from what anybody else was dealing with, just trying to navigate how can we do this super collaborative activity of music and band, in my respect, um, in some kind of decent capacity. Oh, yeah. I know COVID really, it took a, a lot out of us and it changed a lot of our perspectives and mindsets. I mean, some things were good, some things were bad. I mean, for us living in COVID, that's what kind of started this podcast was we were all apart and we had to somehow find a way. So it led to this. Um, but as a teacher through COVID, I would not like to go back to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a lot. It was just a lot. And I'm a yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I'm a planner too. And then one week we're doing this. Next week up, change this. That don't work anymore. You got to do this. I was like, look, can we stick to one system, please? Yeah, one and then people system. expect the same standard, or at least here. It's, oh, these are different. Oh, you had half the rehearsal time. Oh, but Tiger Band better, better be lit come oh, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I know, like, I was, so we were, we were you know, listening to some of uh, so interviews you had done before, especially like during um, COVID. And like a lot of people are asking you like, so what's, you know, what the Tiger Band is going to do? Like, what, are they going, are you coming? Are you doing? And I was just sitting here thinking like, you know, the whole world is shut down. Like to the interview, <laughs> I'm like, everyone is at home. Like, do you still expect, you know, the marching band to be like, first of all, you expect football to be going on right now? Like, yeah. what is that? Oh, yeah. It's like, what's COVID? That's somebody's cousin. Like, no. Yeah. Like, you better have this ready come Saturday. Yeah, you're right. COVID, it's, yeah. COVID <laughs> months ago. COVID just a, a, a spring fling. Mm -hmm. just, a little, just a little cough. That's it. But we still gonna have a football <laughs> game. Still have a football game. So it was very interesting. And a lot of people's priorities were completely different. I mean, even now, like, we're... I guess, are we in the green yet, y'all? Are we in the green? Are we in the yellow, we're red? Yellow. Listen, absolutely yellow. not. Absolutely yellow. yellow. We flip two cards. We ain't on green. We ain't on pink. We on orange. Yellow. Orange. <laughs> okay. Actually, it's a wild card. We Uno in right now. We, we Uno. Color. There you go. That's what we're long, long as you don't get that reversed, okay? I love, <laughs> hey, real talk. Don't real turn talk. back. Don't I, I deal with a skip though. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> we can skip. We can skip. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, I know, oh, sorry, Anthony. Oh no, go um, ahead, Michael. You got so, it. Um, for teachers, COVID was very like, oh, I hate this all the time, but like. For people like me starting a performance degree in math, like my master's degree in performance, it was 
a little great because I had all this time to myself to practice, to do like research. I didn't have to worry about ensembles because I'm every ensemble director out there. I love playing in your ensembles, but it's like a credit card. I got to charge it in the morning and I can't exchange it that night. I, those three hours are gone. My face said, okay, cool. You got an hour and a half left later. And it's like, we got to swipe. And when COVID was happening, I was like, I got my credit charge back. I ain't got no credit charge. We're good. We're good. I'm going to practice all that time. So it was relaxing. I didn't teach for two years. And then undergrad, I taught like every single year, sectionals, chamber music. So it was good to take a step back, focus on myself. But now I'm coming out. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry to teach. I want to see like these kids are inspiring me. I want to bring something to them. I'm looking at what I'm programming next year. And it's 80% living composers for chamber music and stuff and that like that's exciting i'm hope they're going to be excited too because like we've had this surge of living composers being programmed and diversity coming back um to our forefront because of recent events and i'm hoping it stays i'm waiting a couple of years before i make a final decision of if society and the music community is going to follow but i'm hoping it stays because seeing people like kevin day and george walker on the same program gotta love it Gotta love it. Unique perspective. I, and it's so unique because, of course, you're going to school. Because I know other performance majors who are like, who were looking for jobs two years ago, they did not share those thoughts. But, but, but you know, in your situation, you're right. It's so perfect. You get time to really worry about the end valve. How can I get better and all those things versus being on that precipice of, I got to find a job. I got to find gigs. Everything is shut down. How am I going to find a living and all those things? That's a good point. Uh, as a teacher that was looking for a job in the middle of COVID, that was very stressful. Very, very stressful. Um, I definitely lost my skinny body throughout that process. Still mad about it. Still mad about it, but we working. We hey, working. that's why it's called COVID-19. You know? <laughs> I wish it was only 19, but Lord have mercy. So look, we, we coming back. We coming back. Oh, 190, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, like, it was very stressful. It was very stressful, you know, just trying to do, trying to find a job. It, it was a crazy time. But, you know, it, it's been, you know, years past, and I think we're, we're moving to a better place, and that's all that we can do. Yeah. Uh, so, I, first, we have completely passed this, but please tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Uh, I was born in Mississippi, North Mississippi, in a city called Greenville. Uh, my mother's an educator. My father's a Marine. He was a Marine at the time. He's retired now. And so we lived the whole military life. I've lived in California, Texas, North Carolina, Louisiana, um, Okinawa, Japan for a super hot minute. Um, we got there. My mom was like, no, nah, when you finish your four years, we'll figure that out. So we moved back to uh, Louisiana um, and I was in Baton Rouge from third grade to 10th grade. Then halfway through my 10th grade year, we moved to Hawaii and then I graduated high school from there. I uh, got a scholarship to go to Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, um, and then got my graduate work at uh, LSU. Before then, I was like an assistant director at a really small rural high school called Simmons High School in Hollandale, Mississippi, uh, before getting my master's. Um, and then I taught high school in Louisiana, uh, the big city of St. Francisville, which is not big at all, uh, <laughs> Wesley Shanna High School. 
started off with 13 kids um, around the end of the time we had over 100 and then um, we did some things there. Um, and then my doctorate at LSU, then I got fortunate to be hired on after there and then just kind of worked my ladder up. Thankfully, I have good freckles, so it gives me the benefit of the doubt. So now I'm director of Tiger Band. So quick crash course of my little lineage, if you will. I need like the state map pins, you know, or, or oh, yeah. just pins, because that was wild. Like that was everywhere. I think around that's yeah, so a little bit. And I did not. I hated it growing up because right, it's, every time you meet friends, you're leaving. But with the advent of social media, it's literally everywhere I go and travel. Literally, there's somebody I know there mm -hmm. um, because we were all military, so people moved to like D.C. or Washington. So as I do travel and such i always like link up with former high school friends or people from middle school uh, but i did not like it growing up i didn't see the benefit of that i just wanted to just stay in one place and just ride it out so did you stay in music all of your travel all, like every place you went you stuck with you know music yeah uh i started band in sixth grade um but i always wanted to be a musician my grandfather was a band director um papa played trombone he played with um james brown uh earth wind and fire wow. he played a lot of aretha franklin all those yeah. people but i never wanted to be like papa so i want I, I i wanted to find the easiest instrument and i was like trumpet has three buttons done okay. Okay. Not, not realizing that oh my gosh this is maybe one of the hardest instruments known to man okay. Okay. but in six again <laughs> yeah, i was in sixth grade sixth grade I'm like, clarinet, keys, look at all those keys. Sax oh my gosh, all them things with flute, trombone. I don't want to be like Papa. Tuba's big, trumpet small, three buttons, sign me up. So um, <laughs> That's it. that was that was literally the mind frame of a sixth grader. So um, so yeah, so that was my instrument. But yeah, when I went to high school uh, high school in Hawaii and all that, I was still involved in the band, was in the all state, all all the things I was involved in. Um, and then obviously through school, college and such as well. It's um, honestly funny, like teaching sixth graders now, it's so funny what goes through their heads when they're just like trying to pick an instrument. Like you, it's three buttons, it's small, I can carry it, boom, that's what I want. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, that's nice. Or clarinets player, Squidward plays that, so I want to play what Squidward has. Sure, whatever, go ahead. I don't even know what Squidward is, so I, I see how, uh, how to touch Sponge I am. SpongeBob, SquarePants? Oh, sorry, I don't want to hurt. I guess for those watching, got it. I, I learned uh -oh. today. See, this uh -oh. is a safe environment. This is a safe environment. This is where I can learn. This I can is learn. A safe space. This is no longer a safe space. <laughs> SpongeBob, Sp first of all, okay, for our generation. Isn't it the flute, though? Da -da 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 no. no. Oh. Well, the the the, the theme, yes. Yeah, but Squidward. Yeah, it's public picture. Yeah, this is important. We have to yeah. everything. So our generation, SpongeBob is like honestly like number one. Like SpongeBob, boom. Okay, came out like '99, and it's been like on top of the world since then. Like he has the best clarinet embouchure I've ever seen in my life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Then, have you ever seen Squidward? Squidward. 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 Yeah, Squidward Tentacles. Yes, he lives right next door to SpongeBob. Uh, I'm pretty sure as as your child gets older, they're gonna watch it. Okay, like it's on. It's it's still on. I'm gonna, show, so. I'm gonna show him handsome Squidward. This is handsome Squidward. That's another thing. Is that like is that is that like Squidward's like brother, daddy, or no, just? No, that's him, but handsome. 
handsome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the other version probably more handsome, but you know that's subjective. Okay. Okay. Look at there. Clarinet. People wanted to be like Squidward. So I'm glad we get to expose you to SpongeBob SquarePants. See, I'm learning. See, I, I'm all about. See, it's the inval. You know, there we go. Just like Mike was saying earlier, you know what I mean. I'm all about the learning. Yes. We had a clarinet player in my sixth grade band. I chose trumpet for the same exact reason you wanted to. I also wanted the <laughs> solos and melody because I'm just who I am. And um, we had a clarinet player who chose clarinet for Squidward, and this man ate through a box of reeds a week. He could not keep a reed more than 30 minutes. So wow. two reeds a day. And she was like, I, I have a reed graveyard just for you. <laughs> I'm like, you can't be playing these reeds no more. We need to find you a brass instrument. Right. Switch it up. Switch it up. But so back back to you living in Hawaii, graduating from Hawaii first. First of all, living in Hawaii sounds just just relaxing, but I'm pretty sure people that actually live there probably have something completely different. But you ended up going to the Jackson State University, HBCU. Um, how did you get back there? How did yeah. that? Yeah, so uh, it's a funny story, but it's so true. I was five years old. Jack, my mom went to Mississippi Valley State, which is another HBCU in Mississippi in Itabina, Mississippi. And so um, we went to a game there and Jackson State was playing Mississippi Valley State. And then the band came in, they marched like they traditionally do, they play Get Ready. But mm-hmm. what stuck out to me was, again, I was five and I just remember them playing classical music and they did it for memory. And I was just hooked. <laughs> Knowing later that was Stars and Stripes Forever, John Philip Sousa. But what stuck to me was this band that could entertain, you know, get ready and then play classical music. And it was for memory. And I was at that moment, I I told, I was with my mom and my play auntie. Um, I was like, I'm going to be in the boom. I want to go there. All because they play classical music for memory. And then um, they were just like, oh, you know, some little kid, blah, 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 blah. But it always manifested. So when I was in Baton Rouge for a while, like my godparents, everybody's Southern University is, uh, is basically Jack State Rival. And so we would go to all the Southern games and I was just that kid, like I root for Southern until they play Jackson State. And so, <laughs> um, but the people that love me, they, they do that and they still love me in spite of, because that rivalry can get pretty intense. Yeah. And so when I was in high school, like I wrote poems, my grandmother still has a poem. I wrote 11th grade English and it ended with, when I die on the, you'll see the boom on the tomb or something like that. It was some kind of literary paragraph. So, it was already in my brain to go there from fifth grade and such. So even when I was in Hawaii back then, they would show on BET um, like games, and I would just I'll record with the VHS tapes hey. and have it programmed. This is way before YouTube and everything. So um, so I was always just indoctrinated there. And then ironically, Jackson State was the last school to offer me a scholarship. So. I almost went somewhere else. And then my grandfather called the associate director of bands there. Uh, shout out Michael Magruder, who's now director of bands at Winston-Salem. But um, but that kind of worked out. And it was the least amount of money I got from all the schools, too. But um, it just worked out. And I went there. So that's kind of how it happened. I just had the boom in my brain from five years of age. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. And so, you know, talk about your HBCU experience, because a lot of um, people, HBCUs teach you a lot more than, you know, I would say a normal PWI, basically. Um, 
from networking because uh, we had last week we had um, Marie Douglas on and she went to FAMU um, mm-hmm. and she was just talking about there was just so much things that she learned going to FAMU not even just about music but other things from networking to family to being a business person to everything um, so what were some of your your big takeaways from going to HBCU? It's a good point about networking. I guess I never thought about that, but maybe so. So for me, um, some of my biggest takeaways from being there was a, you know, it goes without saying you're around a lot of people that look like you, but in that same vein, they may look like you, but they don't necessarily think like you. And, you know, like, again, mm-hmm. I, I talk about this a few with my students as well, like black or any race is not monolithic. It's so for me being around People maybe of like mind globally, but specifically, oh, it's so different. Uh, You have people who are, you know, the neo soul, the super folks, uh, the pan African people. Then you have, you know, those that were practicing um, for medicinal purposes um, way before their time. I just phrase it that way, you know. But but within that, because I was section leader for like three years and how to take these group of people who are widely different in thought, build that together and then work towards a common goal. And then when I uh, pledged my fraternity, um, Alpha Phi Alpha, it was like another layer of figuring that out, but this time from a university level. And Mm so um, I will say, kind of going back to the networking thing, uh, Jack State kind of taught me the social socialization point because, but I think it's more cultural. So like if you go around and say something, we, you know, you're going to get joned, you're going to get roasted. So you're either going to find a way to snap back or you're going to have some hurt feelings. So it was just like through that, you learn how to network or socialize or me trying to date people. You know, so it's just like I feel like that would probably happen anywhere. But because I'm at an HBCU, I don't maybe it is unique there, but I can't compare that to another experience. because I don't have that. But uh, but but all those factors, because there is this bond even from the band, as well as from our fraternity, there are people even to today that we still talk, um, like doctors, lawyers, uh, engineers, people that work at manufacturing companies, people in the army, principals, like we all have a bond of the band or the fraternity. And that has served itself well out. Cause even one of my line brothers who went to pharmacy school in um, Tennessee in Memphis, when he interviewed there, he's one of the only people to get a scholarship to go to pharmacy school. And he found out what made him stand out for that scholarship was his social skills during the interview. And he was competing against people, people from Vanderbilt, um, Cornell, from Penn, you know, on paper may seem like more prestigious academic universities, but how he handled that room and how he handled the interview skills to show that he can relate to people. So when it comes down to five, 10, eight years from then prescribing bills or drugs or whatever, there's that bond there that I am learning a lot of people don't have social skills or that that's something that's not fostered. And that's something that definitely was the case because, yeah, you, you you had to have thick skin and learn how to navigate those things, especially with the instruction we had too, because, yeah, our director will roast you in a quick minute. <laughs> you didn't come prepared. Uh, I mean, that is very true. I mean, um, I didn't go to an HBCU, but my, you know, middle and, and high school, uh, it was an HB, 
high school. There we go. That that was more <laughs> of what it was. So like learning, you know, that's really where I, I got the quick wit and, and things like that, because that's where it, it is taught. And it's funny because until you mentioned that, I never thought about it like that because I, I ended up going to PWI and that's not really, you know, a thing there. So that's very, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So, and then you go from HBCU to LSU. So wh- why LSU for your master's or and doctorate? Why? Why? Yeah. So the, the doctorate is, is a little bit more complicated is a little bit more advanced masters again it's simple um and i don't I, dumb luck because even me saying when i'm five years old i'm gonna go to college i didn't meet the trumpet professor it was i did all the wrong steps to get to college i just so happened i got there and i studied um with the person who was the principal trumpet player for the mississippi symphony orchestra but i had no clue who she was i'm just going to the boom so i i what I did was definitely not the smart thing to do. And I don't recommend that to anybody else. And kind of same for my master's. Master's degree, uh, I'm a sophomore. Michael Magruder, who I mentioned earlier, social director of bands, he said, hey, get your degree before you can get a family. Uh, because once you get a family, that's going to slow things down. So I was like, okay, let me try to go somewhere where I could do that. At least get a degree right after the fact. And so uh, a lot of people were going to LSU from Jackson State to get performance degrees, some buddies of mine. And so um, they had a music ed program. I applied online. I got accepted. And then uh, two weeks later, I got a scholarship that would cover all tuition and such. I hadn't met one professor. Uh-huh. I just know from word of mouth, LSU is a good school. I was like, OK, but I, but I had never had a conversation or a meeting or anything and then I was going back to Baton Rouge. My family had moved there back there because my dad was retiring from the Marines. So that made sense from a social standpoint. So I wouldn't have to pay room and board or anything. I just stayed with my uncle and then I just worked. So it, it worked out, but it, yeah. But again, all the wrong steps. Like if a person were to try to do that now, at least in like what I teach here, you, your chances of getting in are gonna be slim to none. Uh, still slim, but likely none, uh, because you know there's, there's a people dynamic. Who are, who are we bringing into the studio? Like we don't, we don't know. Um, but I got lucky there. Now for my doctorate, uh, I was teaching a while, and it just got to a point where um, I feel like I was hitting the ceiling uh, in my program. And long story short, I had a conversation with the professor, um, and they offered a half assistantship. Um, I met with people in the band department. And I guess because of my reputation of what I did at my high school, they were like, oh, we can give you a full assistantship. And so I could work within the um, conducting studio and as well as teaching music ed courses as well. So that was just a perfect storm that happened. And then literally the day I went to quote unquote interview at LSU, the very next day they did a rift in our my school district where they got rid of all music positions except mine, mine and the high school choir teacher. So it was like, if that wasn't a sign before, it's definitely a sign now that now is the time. And so um, so all that kind of just happened. So but I was looking at going back to get my degree. I just didn't know in what area or where. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, look, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So you're right. I'm a God fearing guy. And that's definitely one where it's like, show me a sign. Bam. Riff. But but they they were like, but, you know, we. At the time, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, we love what you're doing, so we're gonna make sure we keep your job. Not realizing, like, 
you know, you're, you're clipping me. All right, I'm going to be a calculus teacher, but we're not going to teach any basic math. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's just that's the logic of it. Big picture. But, you know, they didn't quite see the forest and the trees kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yo, that's that's really crazy. But I mean, like even at high school, I was reading like you um, you and your group went to the United States National Presidential Inauguration Music Festival. Like you, big, big things like, oh, my goodness. And they come saying, all right, goodbye. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. But yes, but I guess for them, it's, well, that's what's good. So we're going to make sure we keep that. Everything else, you know, so we're dealing with at least, and again, I love my administrators. They are great people. I still have great relationships with them to this day. Uh, But, you know, they're not musicians and they're not that kind of savvy. It's like they just see this product. They just see the sausage, but they don't know how that sausage is made. They don't know. You, you really don't want to watch how, you know, how you make a sausage. And then you don't want to see that whole process. But does the sausage taste good? That's all I care about. How you made it, that's y'all business. But the sausage, yep. you know, add a little mustard maybe. We, we really good. So let's keep the sausage coming. We, we don't care about the process. <laughs> mustard. Uh-huh. See, that's spicy to Michael. You know, uh, mustard? Ooh. Mustard, child. Yes. <laughs> now... Uh, look, so then I just want to ask because it's something that I we kind of always ask is being a Black band director in this field comes with challenges. It comes with its own, um, I guess, experience. Has th- that experience been good? Has it had, you know, its moments? How has that been um, for you, and ex- especially in this field? Yeah, it's been... I would say good um, with anything. And I'm very open by saying this because it's, it's fact. I'm never, I never, well, a couple of things. My grandfather always taught me, never forget where you come from. Um, never dangle raw meat in a lion's mouth. And he says that from the perspective of, he grew up in an era where Jim Crow was like running rampant, the Ku Klux Klan, uh, where him growing up, he couldn't eat, um, you could have chicken, but you couldn't eat white meat. White meat was for the whites only. You could only eat dark meat. Um, they couldn't drink Coca-Cola. They had to drink RC Cola. Um, <laughs> they couldn't go to, you know, colors only. You know, they, they grew up in that era. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I grew up, granted, I didn't, I didn't have to experience those things, but it was definitely taught growing up, you know, how to navigate being Black in America is what I'm getting at. So it's never lost on me that I'm still a black man in the United States, and in particular, the southern parts of the United States. Uh, now, that being stated, uh, there was a moment where I would shy away from my quote unquote blackness. Now, I, I, I am who I am. So, the same way I'm talking, and anybody can tell you this that knows me, I'm the same way when I talk to the president of LSU, when I talk to a custodian, like fill in the blank, whoever, I, I'm still that same. But I would I, I would open up with, oh, where'd you go to school? I went to the small school in Mississippi named Jack State University. But if you were like a person from Southern or, or somebody else, I am from the Jackson State University. Like I would say it with my chest. So there are certain moments. So because of that, I would like mute kind of my background, if you will. And then, but I think a tragedy, it's kind of like the uh, George Floyd situation where now some of those things 
you don't have to feel ashamed to talk about your experiences or feel ashamed to talk about your background or ways you feel. Now, how they may perceive and take that, that's you can't control that. But at least for me, it's almost almost welcomed, even though I don't really want to say welcome, welcome. But it's not like I have to hide. Oh, these feelings that I have working here or people when they see me, they have certain assumptions just because I'm black. They think, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm from Southern or Southern had an opening. Oh, Kelvin, hope we don't lose you. You know, yeah. and it's like even like if you know me, it's like I'm from Jackson State. Like I'm good. Like, right, that's, that's a petty talk. <laughs> But, it, but they see a skin color and they make an assumption is what I'm getting at. So, uh, but for me, but the same vein and what I do, and I'm thankful to work in a place that they let you be who you are, where I just took some of the same things we did with Jackson State in the band incorporated to what I do here. Like we will never be in HBCU and we're not trying to be, but we'll play Lil Wayne, we'll play Kanye, we'll play Panic of Disco. At the same time, we'll play Garth Brooks and whomever else. Like, so we will... We will add a diverse palette, what we do, whether it's at a football game, basketball game, gymnastics, and even with my programming for my concert bands and such, that's the same philosophy I had when I taught high school. Like, it's going to be a diverse group of people. It's not going to be this one type of thing. But I was doing that when I was assistant director, you know, so it's like now the diversity word is like it's it's the flavor of the month. It's the new Kool-Aid, you know, Oh, look at my program of women or of people from the LGBTQ plus community or whatever. It's like it's this checkpoint where that's always been just something that we do. So because I came from that place from an organic perspective. Now that we're doing it, it's like lauded, but it's not lauded because I'm looking for accolades. This is just what our students need to be exposed to. So some stuff I came to naturally and and. Just to be fair, like some of that stuff I didn't get, even though coming from an HBCU, like we played people, um, we play like black composers, but I didn't know a whole lot about composers from Latino populations or from Hispanic populations or fill in the blank, you know, so there's always a, everybody has a blind spot. So it's just kind of getting to that point where you, you just don't rest on your ignorances because we all don't know we don't know, but having the space to do that. So to come back to your question or point earlier, it's, it feels good now because it's like a space to do that from. And like even being in different committees that I'm involved in, I've just always reminded like it, it may be one more thing to do, but who better to give credence to that voice than a person that looks like me that has my background? Maybe I'm here on this. Maybe I'm here for that role to talk about certain things to maybe talk about, oh, you talk good for an Asian person. Like, no, that ain't cool to say. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm speaking from real experiences here. You know, maybe it takes, you know, a person like that to come in and be like, no, that ain't cool. Or to program music a certain way and you castigate things from an aunt your mama standpoint. Like, no, we're pro, you know, it's just giving that insight and perspective because some people just don't know they don't know. They need to be educated just like everybody else. Yes. Uh, I know me and Laura, we've talked about this a long time. And I think we also, with Michael being our friends, it, we we end up talking about this, especially the point of you speak well, and then it's like, are you, for a black person, is, is that what you're about to say? Um, because that is something I think we we have been uh, exposed to in our life, and honestly, some people actually still think that that's a compliment. It's like, no, no, and something that you said earlier. You know, Black people, we're not a monolith. <laughs> there are completely different people. Just because we share a, a skin tone doesn't mean like we automatically 
oh yeah, we we have this low bond. Sometimes that is true, but just like any other race is not is not a monolith. Um, So we we talk about that on this podcast quite often because we want to let people know that that is not a compliment. Please stop doing it. Stop saying that. Stop saying that I'm articulate. Don't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm done with it. (laughs) I'm overhearing. Oh, you're so well spoken. So articulate. Like, what does that even mean? Like, why did you not say that to the person sitting right next to me? Who looks that has it has colorisms to it, you know, and yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. I'm just like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Somebody help us. Help us in this time. Help us in this time. But that's so interesting, the whole, because we t- we talk a lot about like imposter syndrome and those things, but we don't talk a lot of, as much about code switching. And you, when you were talking a lot about like feeling like you had to pull back um, your blackness or not hint to it a little bit, or th- that that conversation is something that we have definitely, PWIs, um, we have talked about a lot about like, should for safety, do we pull it back or do we be true to ourselves? Right. Like, and, and then the past two years, it's been really hard because now it feels like people are asking, you know, us to be our authentic real selves. But what if that is, what if what you're wanting from me is not even my authentic real self? Truth. Yeah. And it's tricky and it's tricky, right? Because and again, maybe it's just because of my upbringing and how I was raised. It goes back to, and this is just societal. This is, this is society. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong. This is just like navigating the world. So this world is typically predicated. White men typically in most professions controls what happens. Look yep. at presidents, you know, you, you name your field. Yes. It's typically that. And so there are certain systems or codes that people feel comfortable with in order for you to then navigate it. Like, you can't come in my house if I can't trust what you may do. Now, trust may be a weird word, but if I don't get good vibes, you're not coming into my house. And so that goes to that code switching point where not saying it's right or wrong, but in society, you have to almost fit in certain inside of certain norms mm-hmm. to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that layer of acceptance, then you can kind of open up. And I've had conversations with Alfred Watkins about this. Like he gets very vocal about things. And I was like, man, like, that's dope. You can do that. Like, and he was like, but I can do that now because A, I'm retired and B, I've done everything. So can't no one take anything from me. But he had to get to a certain point to where you can't come from me because rest assured, you you you, you tangle the, you know, you do something weird and be like, oh, nope, mm-mm, give it back. Nope. See, you can't do this. That can't do that. Yes. When, yeah. When you become Teflon Don and, you know, almost bulletproof, you can't come for me with these things. I've done these things. You can't take that away. So, that is so tricky there, Lauren, but it's so true. If, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I understand I can't come in there. Grant, it's not my disposition. It's not my disposition to be like, yo, baby, yo, and all of that. But like, I can't I can't come into the interview at LSU talking like that. Or hell, interview at Jackson State, to be quite honest. You know, I'm not saying it's white or black, but there are certain things when it comes to being a professional, right or wrong, that are considered um, the standard in acceptance that you have to fit into there and then maybe shift gears after you kind of get in from there and that i'm glad you brought that up because i've been i've been talking with some people this week like some undergrads here and at other places that i know like in the trouble world who's looking to go to graduate school and they're wanting a teaching assistantship within the trumpet studio and it's like i i've seen a lot of recent like within the lgbtqi Community, a lot of people are fully expressing themselves, and I love it. I'm here for it because I was never that person 
still kind of not that person. I'm just kind of like, hey, I'm here. I golf. I mean, like, if you, if you don't hear me speak, you probably wouldn't know. Um, or how I act with people. And But, like, I see these, like, young undergrads, bright futures ahead of them. But, like, they might have electric pink hair. Or they might wear a bunch of jewelry. Very exposed tattoos. Tattoos are a little hit or miss now. They're starting to get like, okay, you're fine. Um, my dad's military, so he said keep it within your shoulder, like keep it within your shirt. If it's in your shirt or in your shorts, you're fine. Past that, it's a hit or miss. Um, but they well, like, I, 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 I don't want to cut you off. I just want a quick pause you know, because it's almost like the more you have of something, you better come with something else. Like if, if it's, I, I feel like if it's like a, a tie, if you will, they're going to go what they perceive as a safer choice. But if you're, you know, the next uh, Arturo Sandoval or the next Winton and you sleeved up, they give you that pass because, you know, what I mean, you're above on one area. But no, what you said is so true. <laughs> no, and it's like I tell these kids, I'm like, you know, I keep honing your art and stuff. But I will tell you, as someone who has like listened to trumpet professors talk about how they Look at these auditions. When you walk in the room, the minute you walk in the room or your perspective lesson, bam, that's their first perspective. If you have electric hair and you're wearing like something that nowadays is like, we're, we're fine with crossing genders. We're fine with like this, um, what's the word of dress? Um, gender fluid dress. Like we're fine with that now, but there's still some people in this country where they you walk in the room and you look like that. They're like, Check on this box. You're not checked mm -hmm. on this box, but you're checked on this box. Cool. Let me hear you playing. Okay, you have a check here. The way you're talking, you have a check here. It's like they have two different checklists. Because you, again, you're presenting, you're going to be teaching their undergrads at some point or be in a leadership role, and they want you to look a certain way. And it's like I, I like being friends with Lauren Anthony for so long. I've heard, like, literally standing in one room for 15 minutes like multiple code switch between people coming there, like professors coming, we're all three talking, and then friends coming, and we're like, ah, and then professors coming again. And it's like, there's a diff, like, there's not a different code switching, but it's like, people are still doing this on every level, and it's crazy to me how I'm like looking at this undergrad, and be like, I love the way you play, love who you are, but there's people in this country who would not give you a graduate teaching assistantship because you have neon yellow hair, mm -hmm. and because you wear a kilt, or because you, dress like this or act like this like i'm just being real like it's what is out there and it's like as you were saying it's not right it's not okay but yeah it's what it is what it is right you know and, and, and that's just being in the real world like that's just where it is so yes things should change and you know all of those things but it's like just knowing where we are now uh we may not be there so <laughs> yeah i mean when we go into auditions um and things like that i know for myself i'm like okay let me make sure i don't come off as like aggressive let me make sure i don't you know because that might be the first thing that they think is like mm, okay he this and this so i anytime i'm in audition or or first meeting I always have to kind of put on put on that um, but that's something that we are taught by our parents growing up as, you know, Black people coming up in America. That's kind of what we have to do uh, from time to time. And something that you said of, let's wait until we get through the door, then we can start knocking that door down for everybody else. Um, and I think that's something that we do um, naturally. And we've talked about that here before. So I'm glad that you, you brought that up. Um, another thing that 
I found so amazing. Congratulations to you and the LSU uh, marching band. Um, Y'all were recognized uh, at CBDNA this year um, for your show. Uh, Let me make sure I get the name right. Land of the Free Because of the Brave. And you uh, started with Lift Every Voice and Sing. Which uh, is, for people that don't know, is the Negro National Anthem. You know, most people only hear it during Black History Month, yada, yada, yada. But starting with that, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And it was recognized. So, like, congratulations um, to to you. And also, James Brown living in America. Like, that's (laughs) something people would not think that is about to go on, you know, a patriotic show. You know, you think patriotic because I was in marching band and when we did patriotic, of course, we did them all for the branches of America, of the military and all that stuff. But Lift Every Voice is something that most people would not think is patriotic or living in America is patriotic. So, your vision for that, like, where did that come from? Um, and it, it was just amazing to see. Yeah. Uh, so we have a show design committee meeting and, but I will be honest, I, I, I did kind of, so typically the students kind of come up with the shows. And so okay. I say 90% of the shows they do. That was one where I was like, well, we're doing this. Um, and, and honestly, because that was going to be the first thing we were going to do after this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we always highlight, um, and this, maybe this is the artistic side of my thinking, we always highlight our military branch. And again, like I said, my father's a Marine, so I love the military. But after a while, the music, you can't change the music and only so many things you can do creatively with that. So I figured out some different ways to do that. Um, But I was thinking, all right, globally, what can we do? We had all this social unrest and even at LSU, there have been protests with our student athletes and such. There's even um, an initiative called Tigers United that talks about certain diversity things that they can do because LSU's history isn't necessarily the the prettiest. But I I would argue which Southern PWI that has been in existence before 1900 has a squeaky clean history, right? So um it was a way how can we incorporate that and it was like bam so i uh, contacted um chandler wilson who is an assistant director at florida state to do an arrangement for that and then um ironically scott borma had a good arrangement to live in america and yeah. so it worked out to kind of go from the social unrest aspects and so with that we ended up spelling unity and then from there the living in america portion because we are living in america and then ended it with the um, American forces tribute and it ended with the soldier salute and the flag. Um, but no, that's just how I think of, like, at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to what we were just saying. Like, yes, I, I'm always, what can we do to entertain people? Um, all, well, all types of people. So the person who's like my wife, who's at a game, who's a nurse practitioner, but she's not necessarily a musician, all the way to that 50 year old holding beer on the 50 yard line, to like somebody's mama, 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 you know, like how can we do something in our show to hit all of them, um, but not having a blind eye to like all these things that have been happening in our society. So, and for our students too, they see that and they're aware of that. And so for our black students that are in the program or any student from any underrepresented population uh, or marginalized population, it needs to be something for them as well. Like, yes, I serve, you know, majority of those students happen to be white students, but, you know, they're around, they're worldly, they have a different mindset. Not to say that every student is super liberal or super conservative or wherever, we have it all. So it needs to be something for all those students. It's not just one thing, at least not how I teach. 
Uh, and some people like that. That's cool. Being under my leadership would not be beneficial for you. Or or you may not see value. Let me put it that way. If, you know, you, you don't share that vision. But that's something that, I, you know, I, I'm not shy about that. I love that. I love that. I just have a quick question. That's not really related. I'll be honest with you. Were you at LSU when they won the championship? Oh, yeah. I can go get my championship ring. You need me to. But, yeah. <laughs> How was Wait, that? You got How a ring? That? Oh, yeah, I got, I got a couple of them, but um, but uh, but uh, but yeah, no, it, it did not suck. It did not suck. That, that was a, that was a great year. That's the one we I would, we had our spring football game yesterday, and we were joking, um, uh, because the team hasn't been as hot since then. But nope. if if these are the sacrifices we have to make for the year we had then, then so be it. <laughs> hey, I I feel that uh, my Georgia Bulldogs just won, so I'm I'm hoping to win a yeah. second one this upcoming year. But I was. That was cool. I bet that whole experience, like the whole winning a championship and the marching band being there, living off that energy and all this other stuff. I was just, I just was wondering. Yeah, no, it was cool. It's something that for, I think I already kind of, let me back up by saying this. So this last year I had a person from another, um, another power five school that I won't say the name, but they came and heard our band and they made the comments, man, Tiger band has swag. And I never thought about that uh, because I'm, I'm in it every day. Right. And, you know, the group is a microcosm of their leaders and all that. But backing up for that year to get to your uh, point there, Michael, was I remember the national championship game. We're playing like Wayne, Panic of the Disco. The whole place is rocking. We get to our hotel. Well, I get back to my hotel room. We turn to Sports Center, and Scott Van Pelt opens up Sports Center, saying, and Tiger Band rocked the house. That's how you knew LSU was going to win this game. That's how you open up the whole show, you know? So it just, to your point about how special that year was, it's easy for us to get lost in the sauce of it's one more thing. We got to do this event. Oh, and yep. as a director, you got to make sure the kids are good here. Hope, you know, all the logistics, but just kind of having a chance to look back on stuff. It was like, man, that was special. Like Scott Van Pelt said this, or um, the president of the United States came to our games. And all these different things that happened, regardless of how you view stuff, it, it was cool. It was definitely cool. Oh my God. So when was this? Okay, look, I'm not a football person. 20, but, uh, yeah, 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah, we, we kind of oh. we, we beat Georgia on the way. I, I just got okay, to throw okay, it in there, okay, you know, okay, throw okay. it in there real quick. <laughs> we were still working. We were still scared of Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> we scared of Nick Saban no more. Hey, that's true. We have a common enemy there. <laughs> oh my Jesus. I root for anybody who. I, I root for Georgia every week. Like you said with uh, Jack State, I root for Georgia every week. I root for anybody who plays against Alabama, anybody who plays against Florida. So I, See, three- I, I, I feel like this is a moment of Step Brothers, the movie. It's like, do we become best friends? Uh. <laughs> you just said, it's like, I can, I can so vibe with that. <laughs> oh my gosh who would have known <laughs> we would be on football rounds here but of course <laughs> not surprised i mean you taking over you know the the tiger marching man like that is a lot a big big you know thing and uh, were you nervous when you first took over were you excited were you ready were like how was that and then yeah championship after that like yeah the championship was cool um when i became director it kind of ties back to something we said earlier about um i guess me i said shine away from your blackness and such because what i didn't want to do was be known as the black band director it was like i wanted yes we're going to do things a certain way but i i feel i would do that if i was 
Chinese, if I was white, or if I was whatever, like who I am is who I am. Like that, that's, that's, there's no color there. But I didn't want to, I was very cognizant of decisions I would make or do that would not in turn be like, oh, to give people a reason to marginalize me, that's what I'm getting at. So, uh, so all that to say, I was shying away from certain things, but halfway through that year, I remember this event like it happened like yesterday and it kind of changed my trajectory, well, changed my vision. We were at a pep, pep rally event um, and this black guy came up to me. Um, he was a barber in the union and was like, oh my gosh, you're director of Tiger Band? I never thought I would have seen the day. And like in that moment, I knew what he meant. He had to say it. And then a week later, this other guy came. He was from New Orleans in some of his hyperbole, but he was just like, oh my gosh, you're the most powerful black man in the state of education in Louisiana. Like hyperbole talk, but the fact that they feel that way, and it's really because nobody that looks like me has been in that position in any SEC program. So from there, it, it just kind of re reignited like, all right, don't shy away from who I am. So yeah, I rock my hats. It's going to be 18 degrees to the left. If I wear some J's or something, like, you know, things that are me, I'm not going to shy away from that because I want to make other people feel comfortable. Um, and there's research that talks about that, how historically we've been conditioned. We, I'm speaking generally about Black men, uh, but Black, I would even say Black women too. Like you, you, you walk into a space and we're charged with making other people feel comfortable. So we may deflect, we may turn down, or even me on social media, like I don't, I've gotten better about posting, but I would not post stuff because I don't want people to think, see, look at that guy. He think he big timing. He think he doing all this stuff in fear of making other people comfortable with me in the space. So I had to go through this different mind frame of however you feel about me. That's not my problem. It's a Jay-Z line. Like, homie, respect the game. That should be it. What you eat don't make me. S-H-I-T. Where's the love? You know, not, not you know, yes. whatever. Yeah, I left church earlier. We you know, so it's like those things, like, you know, what you do, don't hit me. So let me not try to dim my light because yeah. there are other people who are out there that look up to what I'm doing or see value and prestige. Even if I don't feel that way, I feel like I'm just some dude who was born at 473 North Gillespie in Greenville, Mississippi, just trying to make it, trying to figure out, going to conferences and other places and seeing people in like that oh my gosh, like, you know, you're doing this and that's amazing. Like, I, I, I can't shut that down because right. maybe I'm here for a reason and God has blessed me with opportunities to open up that door, to get into the house. So I can be like, hey, here go the windows. Here go the back door. Oh. Hey, all y'all come in here, oh, you know, right. to open an opportunity. So, yeah, yeah. You know, oh. so it's like those things. So for me, there was this, because you asked like, how did I feel going in? I went in with one mindset, then that kind of halfway through kind of changed because who knows if this may happen again? I hope Lord knows. I hope it is. It should. Um, but it was like, while I have this platform, this opportunity, let's talk about things. Who better to talk about things than me? Who's better to play some Wayne or some swag surfing or some big timers still fly? You know, like who better than a person from an HBCU? You can't you can't be like, oh, they culture vulturing or oh, they assimilating or oh, they're doing something like. Like, like the comments on Facebook, I remember from that championship, folks uh, on there, well, I didn't see it, my wife did, she told me, like, oh, it must be an Oreo there. Oh, it's just some white guy trying to steal stuff. It's like, if you knew my background and my resume, like, there's nothing about that that would say that, you know, but people have their own biases, ignorances, you know, it goes both sides. So 
hurts me. Yeah. Hurts <laughs> me. Okay. Lord have mercy. I just want to say, or sorry, Michael, go ahead. You, you got it. You got it. You got it. No, I mean, I just wanted to mention because we you briefly hinted at representation, and I just want to mention how, like, to me, being such a like a, a young, I think, starting professional, hopefully, um, that seeing no matter what field, but especially whatever sectors, especially within the music field, to see like black people everywhere excelling and doing the thing and being authentic to who they are is everything for me. Um, and that is something that, you know, me and Anthony talk about all the time that we did not get to see a lot growing up. So the fact that we are getting to see that now and like our students get to see that through us and that we are still, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. I can't over just emphasize how amazing that is and how necessary it is to continue like growing the way that we want to and moving forward. So I just wanted to mention that and say thank you for oh, being yeah. in the position that you're in because it, it's really, it means a lot and everything to what now, we do. I, I appreciate that, but I would feel the same way. It's like, I feel now there's a space to go back to what I was saying before with the social unrest and stuff to where there's a platform now. So if, if you do try to check it or you make certain comments, that's more a light on you or the person versus that's going to be the norm. That's going to be the standard. And now what's happened, people just get Twitter fingers, they comment stuff, you yeah. know, they don't put their face behind it or name, but there's a safe space, if you will, to do that. But not, but, but not being lost on, we still live in a certain society. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, I, I feel you and I appreciate that. I remember like after the championship, I think you played uh what Wayne song did y'all play like right after y'all right above it? Right above it. I remember there were so many things on little social media, because I'm a nerd, that were comparing y'all's recording to, to Southern. To Southerns. Yep. And, and then there was like people on both sides. They were like, Oh, Southern got that swag, where else you don't and then other people was like, Well, LSU has that tone and other things like that. And I'm like, aren't they both good in their own rights? Like exactly. They both played the song well. It's great arrangements on both. That's what I do love that I think is missed out. And I think some people miss out. It's like I would, me and Anthony go into every once in a while, we'll just dig into marching band, especially like the HBCUs and the arrangements. Mm -hmm. It's like the, how tr like how true the arrangements are to what we hear in popular culture and also how good they are for both from a pedagogy standpoint and from the players like playing the music. And it's so great. And then you hear other people arrange those and it's very like very sparse it's very like just like four lines maybe spread across like 25 instrument lines and i'm like i think you missed the mark <laughs> thank you i think, I think when, when you were you when, when you were hitting the club it kind of just you hit over the top of me <laughs> you, well. you didn't do it well but like that's why i fell in love very quickly with i'm so sorry southern university and the arrangement yeah, no they're good no there's no no shade there. they have a really good program uh, like I think Holy Grail was the first one I heard, and I was like, "Bellophones can do that." Two <laughs> yeah. I said they can do that. I, said, get a, I should call the director right now. He said, "Bellophones do that." He'd probably be like, "They probably shouldn't be doing it." But no. <laughs> <laughs> but no. But to your point, there's an energy and a passion, um, you know, with that, and even within the different styles. So and. and because people try to poo-poo that stuff. Like you were just saying, it's the oh, they sloppy, they this, but it's like tones, like. Man, this is bands playing music and it's entertaining, and that's what the value is. 
And uh, as a person that loves the both sides, and I'll be fangirling all, all the time. And Michael is telling you, we will go on probably two, three hour benders of just listening to all different types of stand tunes and things like that. And like, there is a seat at a table for all of it. Okay. Yeah, and you got to respect that. And, and I just, oh, Pippi, really quickly, just I want, I want to make sure I point this out because as, what you said is so important. There's value there. And then sometimes, and I'm going to sound like that guy, but I'm going to be that guy, especially in our community and culture, sometimes we want it both ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying we come speaking, generally speaking, for Black people, uh, which I hate doing, but I see it all the time. Whereas, oh, we need we need more inclusion. We need more of these things. But let uh, a group of white people do the swag surfing. See, they still in culture vultures. You know, it's like, yes, to an extent, there are certain things like that, but we can't play both sides of it. You can't say you want one thing and the other and then be like, oh, well, this is all mine. Like, like no, like music is yeah. music. And there's this thing. So if we have, you know, black people that go to a PWI or wherever, that's not that's not thinking bad on them. But people try to like, oh, you're not real or you're not a true black person or whatever. Like you have qualifiers to blackness. And this is coming from a person who went to an HBCU. So you say whatever, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking real talk like what yeah. at the end of the day, you still black in America. So <laughs> And that, and that ain't gonna change. And that is not changing whatsoever. Again, yeah. we are not a monolith yeah. whatsoever, whatsoever. Um, I just want to say on behalf of all of us, like we are just thank you so much for being here, for, you know, talking with us. Um, we love what you are doing. We we see you. We are, are proud. We're behind you 110%. So thank you for being here with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is a cool platform. So uh, that you all are doing that kind of birthed from COVID. So a benefit out of that. And the fact that y'all are still doing it, even as the world's getting back to quote unquote normal, I'm, I feel honored. <laughs> right. I feel like uh, Dr. Evil. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I appreciate the opportunity. Just kind of come chat for a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you. And to our our, um, audience, we are going to link everything for Dr. Jones down below. So please go follow him and go follow uh, the Tiger Marching Band. And y'all will be taking the fields come football starts in August. I don't know football people. August, September, around there sometime. Around there. Yeah, it's open up big. Florida State, then the first home game is actually against Southern University, ironically speaking. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a special year for Tiger Band. We got a few big surprises coming out soon. So good time. There we go. So keep them, watch them, and please stay tuned for everything we have coming up. So see you later, y'all. Bye. Bye.